Welcome to Adoption Roundtable, a place to encounter the latest adoption research, policy, and practice in an accessible way. This is a space for adoptees, adoptive families, birth families, and adoption professionals. I'm Dr. Emily Helder, a clinical psychologist, researcher, and professor at Calvin University. I am also the co-editor of the Rutledge Handbook of Adoption, along with Dr. Alicia Marr and Dr. Gretchen Robel. In season one of Adoption Roundtable, we'll be having conversations with the authors of chapters in the Handbook of Adoption. They are top international scholars in a diversity of fields, and together we'll talk about their work and what it means for understanding adoption. Hello, I'm Dr. Emily Helder, and I'm here with Dr. Hannah Raska, who is the Chief Physician at the Pediatric Neuropsychiatric Unit at Helsinki University Hospital in Finland. Uh, she's also the member of the Finnish Adoption Study Group, which is conducting longitudinal research with international adoptees. And she and her team co-wrote a chapter in the handbook entitled Behavioral and Emotional Adjustment in Adoptees. So thanks so much for being here with me. Can you give Thank me, you. Yeah, can you give me an overview of the Finnish Adoption Study? What are the goals and what's your role in the project? Okay, this Finnish Adoption Studies, it began at uh, 2007. Um, the principal investigators, Helena Lapinleimu and Jari Sinkonen, they noticed that there is li very little knowledge about Finnish adoptees. And so they began a big survey study, big in Finnish scales. And uh, the aim was to find uh, what kind of um, physical or psychological problems Finnish adoptees have, where do they come from, what is their health, uh, are there any factors that are associated with adaptation to the new family and environment. So later on uh, we noticed that the, so there are of course the limitations with the survey study, so we began a follow up study which is the longitudinal study you mentioned and um, the aim of this study is to find a measure or hallmark by which we could recognize those children who have the largest probability for problems later in their life and we also try to um, measure stress of these adopted children. Also, we in this longitudinal study, we want to study the velocity of catch-up growth and which environmental factors affect on it. We want to see what kind of neurological diseases Finnish adopted children have. And uh, also, we would like to um, develop a Finnish measure which helps to recognize language problems in adopted children. So I myself began um, as a doctoral student in this group. Uh, and after my uh, thesis, I have uh, continued in this group as a postdoc researcher. And also I'm representing uh, the child psychiatric uh, point of view in this group nowadays. 
Yeah. What a comprehensive set of assessments and goals. I would think that's really valuable to be able to see yeah. connections between the different facets of development. Yeah, yeah, that's very, very important and interesting also. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so in turning to the chapter that you and your team wrote, it really begins with talking about the role of attachment. And I'd love to ask you a bit more about um, how is it that attachment is related to behavioral and emotional outcomes? What's the connection there? <laughs> Yes, <laughs> that is quite a tricky question, <laughs> but I'm uh, shortly, I could be all the time, all the day talking about this issue, yes. but attachment is defined as a child's uh, tendency to seek proximity and conduct when the child is in stress. And there are a number of studies, a lot of studies, which indicate that uh, more securely attached children are better able to re regulate their emotions. And uh, how this is the basis of this, um, these connections, um, I think, as we know, children learn through the, their experiences with their caregivers how to cope with negative emotions especially in situations of distress and danger. And when that is repeated day by day, uh, this learning process reinforces child's own emotion regulation. And what is the um, uh, biological factor which is which connects these two? I think we need a lot of more research in that uh, field. Uh, but I myself think that one um, factor may be the stress and stress hormones and stress reactions. And that is why we have also included in another study some stress markers in, in, our, in our study. Uh, we have highlighted the attachment issue because um, the children with insecure attachment styles, they are known to have more behavioral and emotional problems later in their life. Mm -hmm. I think if that is enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you too, um, one of the things I see clinically, and I'm sure you do as well, is that uh, two children might have very similar early experiences prior to adoption, early adversity, but have very different outcomes when it yeah. comes to behavioral and emotional outcomes. So um, I wondered if you could say a bit about what might be behind that? You know, why, why would some one child with the same experiences uh, really experience a lot of resilience and, and recovery mm. and, and another one really experience a lot of challenges? Yes, first of, first of all, I, I think that um, we must bear in mind that uh, there are a number of similarities in, in adopted children's background. For example, all children have had to um, separate from their birth mothers and um, have had um, more separations from their primary caregivers. But there are also many differences in their backgrounds and they, those differences, they may be very difficult to um, evaluate afterwards. 
And uh, I myself as clinician, I think it's very important to bear in mind that um, adopted children can be taken as one homogeneous group. I think every child has to be evaluated uh, individually and um, bearing in mind that something that seems to be um, similar, there may be many differences also. Mm -hmm. also in those experiences. We know that the period of pregnancy is important for later um, for the developmental development of a central nervous, nervous system, malnutrition, predisposition to drugs, maternal stress, which we know that are very difficult to detect after the afterwards they all affect the developing brain system. Um, we are also all the time getting more information and knowledge about the crucial role of early environment and uh, there are a number of differences in that as well. Uh, the malnutrition exposed to, to infections, lack of care or maltreatment, they may differ a lot um, between children and may be difficult to evaluate afterwards. Um, and also the time of, of exposure to these risk, mm -hmm. risk factors, they, it, it's crucial. And finally, last but not least, I think a very important thing is other genetic factors. And we are all the time getting more knowledge about uh, those things, mm -hmm. especially the genetic factors which are related to stress regulation, they seem to be important. Mm -hmm. And all these things, they are under research all the time. And I think in future, we, we know much more about these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because the key, if we could identify which kids were at higher risk because of those factors that you outlined, mm -hmm you know, then we could really target intervention yeah. resources that way. Yeah, Yeah, that's true. But yeah. I think as clinicians, as I began, I think that the um, main issue is that we have to date all the child individually. Mm -hmm. And despite the um, uh, common things, I think individual evaluation is what we have to base on. <laughs> yes, yes, that's best. Yeah. Uh, the next section of your chapter talks a bit about mediating factors. So things that link mm -hmm. the early adversity that these uh, kids might face with some of the later outcomes. And I wondered mm -hmm. if you could say more about how these mediating factors help us understand why early neglect or abuse impacts later outcomes. Yes, um, all these factors I explained earlier, they mm -hmm. affect our developing brain and uh, um, the brain connections and networks. And uh, we know that those neural, the neural basis, for example, our behavior, our emotional style, executive functions, they lay on, on those neural networks. Mm -hmm. And um, 
uh, and I, I, I think that those basic functions, they affect our behavioral and emotional style. And of course, of course that affects uh, our adjustment. But of course, the factors that happen after adoption, uh, the family, the good care child get, it has uh, impact. And uh, that is exactly what we want to know in this FINADO study about Finnish adopted children, that uh, what are the factors, how we could promote those right. positive mm -hmm. factors. Yeah, those buffering yeah. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um, another thing that I see clinically that families ask quite a bit about are uh, kids will exhibit really good behavioral and emotional adjustment early in life. Uh, and then really sometimes when they enter adolescence or early mm -hmm. adulthood is when they might start um, showing some difficulties. Um, do you have some explanations as to why that pattern might happen, um, but yet still be related to the early adversity that, that kids might have experienced before adoption? Um. I think, and I think there are, there is some research also about this issue that um, in adolescence, child child has increasing need to understand his or her biological background and identity, mm -hmm. and also in that age, uh, you need more to belong to the age group of children, and uh, I think differing ethnic uh, ethnicity may cause some problems and of course unfortunately some children have experiences of racistic bullying in their background. I think that might be one explanation. I would love more research in that area as well. Yeah. I think families have a lot yeah. of questions as to that. Yeah. So yeah, that's true. Yeah, your chapter ends with some very practical uh, information yeah. for providers, for families. So uh, I really want to highlight ways that you've suggested fostering that positive adjustment. And I wondered if you had some advice that you tend to give to families who are really seeking to promote resilience in their kids and positive adjustment uh, for, for them. Okay, I, I think first of all, we have to bear in mind that most of adoptive children are just well and don't ever have, have any psychiatric problems. I think that is something we, we must not forget. Yes. And also we have to bear in mind that most adoptive parents have good abilities to promote their child's secure attachment and positive development and adjustment. And I think um, if everything is going well, I think that's fine and nothing else has to be done. Sure. But if there are, uh, as we know that there are a number of risk factors in the child's background, I think if parents have any concerns, so I usually, I advise to seek professional help because there are a number of um, interventions programs that can promote positive outcomes. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think that is something that uh, it's good to have um, some professional aid because I think it's difficult for a parent to do that all themselves. Mm -hmm. I think there are a number of professionals who can help. 
uh, I think it, it's important to recognize the developmental problems if there are some in in early childhood so that uh, they could be recognized and child could get help for those problems. For example, if a child has language problems, it's uh, very crucial to give uh, um, rehabilitation and help for that development so uh, so that it won't make more difficulties in the adjustment process. Mm -hmm. And I, I recommend every child to have a proper medical examination quite soon after adoption so that any medical um, um, conditions which need to be treated would be recognized and uh, all those things that we can take uh, care of should be recognized early enough and give child proper treatment for, for them. But for very practically, I, I would say to parents that get to know your child, give yourself and your child, give, give time, be patient and uh, try to get to know your child and uh, try to understand his reactions and behaviors and what might be um, behind them, where they, where they arise from. Uh, some practical ideas to avoid misunderstandings, especially in the beginning, um, before the child gets uh, language abilities. I have seen that many, many parents and children get help from visual aid or drawings and pictures to clarify the situations and what parents and child himself um, wants to tell when they have no common words and uh, of course uh, structuring situations giving clear and so short instructions I think they help all the children mm -hmm. and uh, especially for older children um, if the child needs aid for social situations I think you must give child help if if the child can cope with one child at a time don't take him or her into a bigger group or give them help how to cope in the group mm -hmm. and um, i think um, emotion regulation uh, and emotion recognition can be helped every day by explaining the concrete situations and emotions and that may be beneficial for many children but i would like to say at last but not least i would say what is important for me try to find moment moments when you both enjoy being together it might be taking a bicycling trip somewhere or whatever but i think the shared joy is very important to have joyous moments together. Yeah, it probably forms the basis for being able to work through the harder times if you have yeah. some of those positive experiences, both for the child and the parent. Yes, yes, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Thank you so much for sharing Thank your you. research and your perspective and to your team for writing the chapter. Thank you. There's a lot of valuable information in there. Thanks for joining us at Adoption Roundtable. 
please subscribe wherever you access your podcasts. We love to hear from you and have conversations about your reactions, questions, and experiences. We'd especially appreciate feedback if you have topics or questions that we could address in future episodes. You can find me on Facebook at helder.emily and at my website, emilyhelder.com. There, you can sign up for my newsletter for the latest on adoption research and practice. Thanks for joining us.